Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Level Up. Uh, this is an awesome, awesome episode today. We've got Greg Harrelson here. We've got Adam Hergenrother here, and we're going to go deep on leadership and succeeding through others. So we're going to talk about some of the transition points that Adam's gone through going from an agent to a top producer and then into more of a leadership role, building out the organization and the personal and business development challenges that he's encountered and overcome along the way. So this is going to be a fantastic conversation. You guys are going to get a ton of value out of it. Uh, and we are live here on Facebook. So if you have any questions for Greg or Adam, as we go along, feel free to put them right here in the comment section below, and I will bring them to the guys. So first of all, we want to welcome back Greg Harrelson. I believe you're just out of town, so getting back and uh, settled in and have a lot uh, going on as always. Yeah, I'm back in town, and, and um, maybe we'll talk about it in, in, in the future, but I attended um, a what some people are going to think is controversial. I had attended a Zillow conference and uh, oh. just recently just got back, and you know, one of my commitments is always to go to one or two events every year that I've never been to to see what is being talked about, see what people are talking about. It's kind of like cross-pollinating, making sure that I don't always box myself into one kind of training uh, you know, message, and that's what I did. Did, got some exciting information, and I'm again, I'm sure we'll talk about it in, the, in a future podcast. That's right. All right, and then we want to officially welcome Adam Hergenrother. How are you today? Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here, excited to uh, be vulnerable and pour into uh, you guys and the, your listeners. And, and honestly, I want to thank you guys for continuing to pour back into people because training and education is the most important thing that we can do uh, in any aspect of our lives. I mean, really, business is a conduit for our personal growth. And so I'm glad to see you guys taking that philosophy and really putting it 100%. Good. Yeah. Well, we thank you. 100%. And, and Adam, you're a great example. I mean, the whole, the whole bend of the show is going from agent to entrepreneur. And that's what we really want to dig into your story. But before we do, kind of give people an idea of wh where the organization is at. And, and I know you've got other things going on with the construction and, and some of the other businesses that you've built around. But the main engine is your real estate, uh, your, the real estate organization, the sales organization that you've built out. So give people an idea of what that looks like right now. So right now uh, in Hergenroth Realty Group, we are in 20 states across the country. Uh, we're, we've already closed $225 million this year in production. We have 100 and it fluctuates. I think we're about 120 agents right now. We are, um, we are growing at a rate of about 15 to 25 people per month. And uh, we are rounding out our leadership team. Really excited about that. We're failing our way forward. It's a, uh, you know, it's, gets messy behind the scenes, but you know, it's not always perfect as you know, you see it on Facebook and all the pretty marketing we do. There's a lot of challenges behind the scene, but it's, you know, our team wouldn't have it any other way, right? It's, this is, we're building the second largest real estate company in the world. It just happens to be inside another company. And with that is a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities. And really, it's just exciting to disrupt the industry. And that's really what we're after. We do have a sister company, uh, as you said, BlackRock, which ties to a little bit of that. We were just ranked number 42 on the Inc. 5000 list out of all 5,000 companies, number one in construction development. And we currently either own or have under construction about 800 units throughout New England as well, too. So, um, And then I own uh, market centers as well, and we have a training company, too. 
Pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So that's a that's a lot. <laughs> a there, lot there, going there, on. There lies the entrepreneur, right? Yeah, no there lies the entrepreneur, <laughs> which is a great way to start the conversation. Because I think what we want to now do is kind of let, let's let's figure out how the heck did you get there, Adam? You know, <laughs> where did you start? I mean, who was Adam when no one knew who 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 Adam was? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. Well, there's two pivotal moments that happened in my life, and, uh, and I'd love to share them with you guys. You. The first one came when I was about 15 years old. I was um, I was about 100 pounds overweight in high school. I uh, as a freshman, I was in the drugs. I was failing classes. You know, I was that role model student that you just wanted your kid to hang out with, right? And uh, one 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 day, I decided, you know, I came home and uh, I realized that there was more to life than this. That there was something worth. Um, beyond what I was doing. I was really living somebody else's life, right? I was living in mediocrity. I was living, I was very insecure. And you know, sometimes you get those moments where you just backed up against the wall, right? And you realize that once you get to that point, you're going to make a decision. And that moment I made a decision to change my life. And so that the, I stayed up all night, literally crying um, and visualizing what I wanted my life to look like. Now, the key to that is I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just knew that I was going to make a change. and I started visualizing what it was. So the next year I lost 100 pounds um, off of weight. I ended up becoming captain of my football team, changed my friends because it's the people you hang out with that mean so much and started hanging out with a better crowd. And so really when people look and say, well, you've been in real estate or you've been in business for 10 years, you've achieved a lot of success. I try to discredit myself and let everybody know that really I've been working on myself since I was 15 years old and I made a decision then. So the reality is it's more, it's more like 25 or 20 years that I'm 36 now. So it's about 20 years that I've really been focused on this, uh, on this type of journey that I had. And it's really about how do I add more value to myself so I can add more value to other people. And then um, to kind of fast forward a little bit, I bought some real estate in college. I, uh, I came, I, 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 out of, out of school, I interned down on wall street. And so I thought for sure I was going to be a, you know, wall street guy. I was like, I have to get out of Vermont. It's too small for me. One of those mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. you know, the grass is always greener, but the, you know, the water bill is more expensive. Right. So it's uh it was one of those, one of those type of situations. And I realized I ended up staying as a commercial underwriter and I started underwriting all these deals at a local bank. And I started, I, I remember looking around and people have been here for 10, 15 years, making 42 grand a year. At the time I was making $32,000. And they were miserable. Like they literally, like they were not excited about getting up. And I remember the pivotal moment. My manager came to me and said, "Adam, uh, it's like a Tuesday." She's like, "I gave you the file, and you got to let it last till Friday because you're making everyone look bad." No, look, I wasn't doing anything special. I just did it in like three hours, and everyone else was expanding these to a week, and I was just miserable. And so I, uh, I left after six months and took another financial controller position. And that was a great job. I was making 45 grand a year, had my own office, had my own secretary. And then in 2006, you know, when the market started crashing, I just had this deep desire inside me to say, you know what, I need need to go out and and be on my own. And I've been in the game of real estate and I love real estate more than anything from the sales side, the construction, the development, uh, and the training around that as well. And so I left and you have to remember in 2006, the market's crashing, right? People, mortgage companies are dropping out. My parents thought I was crazy. And, you know, they were like, look, why are you leaving this for Vermont? 45 is a lot of money. And, uh, and they're like, look, what are you doing? And I just, and everybody tried to stop me, not because, not because they didn't want me to succeed because they thought I was making a mistake. And so I allowed, I allowed that fuel to enter into me to be used to burn this fire that to show people that to surround yourself by more intelligent individuals, anything is possible. Look, you're only five years away. Anybody's only five years away from wherever you want to be if you make the decision. And so I, I jumped in full force on that and, uh, and I started, 
you know, I hit it, hit it real quick. And, you know, and, and I remember the first 30 days I put three homes on our contract and I didn't have an office. I was, I was living in a 400 square foot apartment. I was lead generating from a closet. Um, the, the office had no space for me. And then all of a sudden I came into a team meeting. People were like, well, how'd you do that? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? They're like, how'd you put three homes on our contract? I'm like, well, what do other people do? Right? Like, well, how? it was naivete, right? I was like, I didn't understand this. And, and so I, for me, it was all about in the beginning. It was, I wouldn't stop until I had one appointment a day. That's why I get so frustrated now when my agents go, well, look, you know, I've lead generated for three hours a day. I'm like, well, did you get an appointment? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, then why'd you stop? Right? Like, it's not like it's, you don't just do it to check the box. You do it to get, you get a result. And, and that's kind of how I've taken my life. And so I got into the agent and then instantly within about 60 to 90 days, I realized that uh, I didn't want to be the one selling real estate. And so I started building a team if there were teams back in 2006 and uh, hired a first assistant and went through about five assistants in about five months because I had no idea about how to hire people or what it was like or any of that stuff. <laughs> I broke every single law that you possibly can when you're hiring people. And then uh, I hired a buyer's agent too uh, in the first 90 days of me being in the real estate. And that ended up being real successful. He's an agent still in my market center now. And, and so I started feeling that leverage. And, and then, um, and so that kind of projected me into this kind of rhythm of understanding what was possible. Then a couple of years later, I, uh, there was another pivotal moment in my life. Um, I started making about $500,000 in the income a year. And I, uh, I was about 26 years old and I got real hubris. And maybe some of you guys have gone through this. Maybe some of you haven't. I, and I was like, look around. I'm like, look what I created. Look at all this stuff. Look at the money I'm making. And, and I remember, I remember telling this to my mom and my mom's like, Oh, that's great. And what I realized is people don't give a shit, right? Mm -hmm. People don't mm -hmm. care about how much money you make unless they're trying to add value to their life. And so it was a real big moment for me. So I, I remember in that, that, that time I stopped and I said, all right, there's gotta be something more to life than this. The same thing that happened about 10 years earlier in my life, I hit another wall and I thought when I hit $500,000 in income that there was going to be this feeling that was going to happen or this, you know, magical smoke going to come up and tell me how amazing I am. But the funny thing is, is when you get there and you achieve these things, it doesn't change who you are and it only exaggerates who you are as an individual. And I wasn't happy with who I was becoming. And so I, I then turned it around and started going on more of a spiritual path. Now, look, when I say spiritual, people don't need to freak out like I'm sitting on a top of a cliff with, you know, reciting poems. It was just more about spiritual, about understanding that life was not about you. It was about other people and about really, truly succeeding to them. Now, I intellectually started making that change, but it really wasn't until the last three years. So for probably, so probably, you know, maybe nine years ago for about five or six years, I thought I knew what it was like, right? I thought I knew it was succeeding to other people. But it really wasn't until about three years ago that I really started to have that conscious contact, that visceral feeling of that aha moment is what it's really like to build a, you know, a sports team to succeed through other people. And so, but I made that decision that, you know, I'm going to make the mistakes leading through other people, moving from I to we to they, and then ultimately theirs. And each one is the distinct leadership challenge in your own mind because you physically have to become somebody different. Your mindset has to become somebody different. You have to continue to add more value than anybody else can. So people continue to stay in your world because when you start hiring these type of people, they expect you to create a world large enough so that nobody ever has to leave. Yeah. So, and here we are today. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great way to just kind of kick it off and, and give us a, a good idea of who you are, Adam. I, I really appreciate that, that explanation. I, mm -hmm. I, I really do. You know, so 
a question that I have for you is, you know, you've you had some ahas that were just you know, we're, we're really critical to, you know, your success, but you have said multiple times since we've been recording things like failure. Um, you've said you failed, you failed forward. You know, I've heard the term failure a few times and I, and I'm taking it from a very positive perspective, um, because obviously you're one of those like, like invite failure you know, because you know what's on the other side. What are some of the things that you may have made mistakes that you made while you were trying to build this, uh, you know, this team and expand the way you have? Um, and what did you learn from those mistakes and what adjustments did you make? So it's what mistakes, a few of the, the big mistakes, the few ahas, and then what were your action steps that you executed to actually, uh, you know, leverage what you learned? You know, Greg, thanks for bringing that up. And I love how you, you phrased that, invite failure. One of the slides that I always have when I teach is, you know, when you talk about failure, it means you actually have to fail. People love to throw around the terminology that, hey, fail forward. It's in a lot of self-help books. But a lot of times people, when they get to an actual failure, they go, well, stop, pause, wait, well, hold on. What's happening right here? And I remind them of like, man, you just told me you want to go fail forward. You're just actually failing now. And it doesn't feel like you thought it was going to. So I just embrace the viewers to really understand that when you want to step into the arena and move from the sidelines, you have to invite the failure and understand that you are literally going to fail. But just embrace that because, as you said, Greg, so eloquently, it's it's what's on the other side. It's who you become through those processes. You know, early on, it was um, investing into the wrong people and not getting out of relationship with people fast enough and allowing mediocre talent in my life. And so that's why I said that six years before I really got it, I was – I had people who were the wrong people. I didn't inspect what I expected. We were growing fast. So I didn't have, I'm, I'm a salesperson by, by heart and I love that. And so I take a backseat to operations and systems and models. And so when you don't have those in place, I'm always like, well, what's in this front end? Right. And then, um, I realized I didn't put enough emphasis behind the scenes on those particular aspects to create a platform. So the last five years of my life has been all about building a platform. So it becomes a springboard for what you can do in order to elevate and get and people talk about that hockey stick or that geometric growth after five years. Well, the only way you get that is if you really invest in the platform, which is models, systems, accountability, and then the X factor is the people to execute these things. So when we, when the early on, I didn't build any of this platform. It was very entrepreneurial and it wasn't very purposeful. I lost a lot of money doing it, but it's all part of the process as well. Once we put in the platform in place, it provided, provided clarity to not only myself, but our team of what we were doing to build out. And then it didn't feel so bad when you were using, look, when you're building a business, a massive one, you have the option specifically in the beginning to take profits or to put it in the growth. And so if you don't know what you're putting your profits for, for the growth aspect of it, a lot of people just increase their lifestyle. So instead of putting the money back into a platform, which is your people, your models, your systems, and the people that you may not necessarily think you need to hire, like ops, CFOs, accounting people, you know, marketing people, all these individuals that need to, are going to be so well equipped to help build that platform. So literally you go like this. And that's why companies get so much recognition in a two to three year span or it's overnight they created the success. Well, really they didn't. It just, they just looked ordinary for five to seven years and then became extraordinary because they were investing all their money into a platform to hit that geometric curve. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. 
So just really investing in the infrastructure. So um, just so the audience will, will, will really completely, you know, understand what you're referring to. You know, I'm hearing you say, you know, maybe in the beginning you started investing in X when you should have been investing more in your infrastructure. But what is X? Is that in lead generation? Was that top of the funnel type of stuff that you just you got excited about because you're a hunter and you love to actually generate and whatnot? So you spent your, your time there. And then later on, you realize, holy crap, the amount of generation that I've created and the volume of leads, I don't have, it's overwhelming all the current systems. But I'm just wanting to be clear, what were you investing in in the beginning? Is it the lead gen um, side? Yeah, I was investing in that. And the biggest mistake I made, I was investing into a larger lifestyle. Ah, good. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. 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 So you're not using the government as your partner, whereas if I should have been more purposeful on this and realized that having a car or nice things doesn't provide any value to you or doesn't make you feel any different after about a week. So um, I should have put in more into the platform and I would have been probably four or five years ahead of where I was if I was a little bit more purposeful on that. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point. I, I, I often, you know, with agents that I'm around in, in my own office, sometimes they'll, you know, a new car will show up in the parking lot and I immediately am like, oh my God, yes. what are they doing? And then they don't really like it when I come and question them about it. But I do feel like I am the leader, uh, you know, at least in, in, in my company and or one of the leaders. And I think that that's one of my duties to make sure that they understand that, hey, look, you know, we're, we're coming here and we're putting in this time and investing into building, you know, into our goals and build into our vision. But then all of a sudden we take all of this that we're generating, all of this money that we're creating and wondering why we're never accumulating wealth. And it's because it's not being directed in the right channels. Now, I heard you say that it sounds like you you got that straight. And then all of a sudden you started redirecting some of the income. But instead of redirecting it in savings, you started redirecting it back into investing in your business like a true entrepreneur would have done. And that's so where did you make your first investments? So in 2000, um, well, I started a market center, right? I started buying property. That was a couple of things that I did. And I invested in my market center. Um, but in 2011, when I really started getting connected with Gary and working with him on a weekly basis, and, and luckily I'm, I'm privileged to work with him. I still fly down about once a month and meet with Gary um, Keller. And, uh, and so he kind of mentors this. But in 2011, I started taking profits from our um, one of my companies and dumping it into expansion in Portland, Maine. And so that was the first transition that I did as I started investing into other people. And then about three months later, uh, I remember the aha for expansion. And if people don't understand expansion, think of it as uh, real estate without borders. Really, I consider myself a real estate brokerage just happening to be underneath another brokerage. And so we, um, I started investing into, into a, um, an office in Maine and, and growing that up. And we took a producer who was $5 million producer at the time and um, made him the number one producer in the entire state uh, in less than a couple of years. And that was kind of our flagship of models, systems, platform that we build out. Here you go. Go build it somewhere else to see if you can expand it. Now, people have to remember why I did that is because there's more cows than people in Vermont. So in order for me to be able to expand outside financially for other people in my world, I had to cross the borders. A lot of us don't need to do that. A lot of us can be in our own town. And here's the thing with um, with expansion. I know it's a sexy word right now, 
if you want to go and open up a couple locations locally around you, like if you're in Atlanta, like you can do those things. It's awesome. You want to control that. If you want to start getting past three or four locations, you have to be all in because you then have to go get new level talent. You've got to get a higher level ops people. You've got to invest higher into technology. You have to, you have to become somebody completely different. And it is, it is really, that's when you go all in on like, Hey, I'm going to build a worldwide brokerage. And, and you know, that's not for everybody because of some of the leadership challenges that we are more than happy to talk about. But, um, but that's really what I mean. Uh, when I, hopefully I answered your question, but that's right. Yeah. No, that, that, mm-hmm. that, that's helpful. What, what are you for, for somebody that's not in a position to go in and start expanding the way that you are and in, in, into additional locations or people in, in, in different locations, but you're back at the beginning and you're still, you're a top producer wanting to build a team, right? You got an agent, then you got a top producer, then you get a top producer that wants to build a team. And then you got a top producer that builds a team and they wants to expand that team. But if you're an agent, top producer and you want to start building your team, what are some, a few things that you've learned that we could, we could share with them to kind of get them on the right track? Well, for one, there's never going to be a perfect time to hire an assistant. And so that's one of the biggest holdups where I see with people is they're like, well, I don't have enough money to pay their entire salary in my account. I'm like, look, and I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but in the first four or five years of my life, I had no idea how I was going to pay the people that I hired. Right. I just had no idea. I I just knew that I would figure it out. I mean, remember confidence Hmm. is assets. Confidence is an asset. So it doesn't mean that you make stupid decisions, but you're hiring people for 30 days. And there should always be a twofer with people. You should get a return on the investment that you're putting into it. Three to four times return on the, if it's a $50,000 salary, you should be landing $150,000, $200,000 worth of energy and you should be saving time. It shouldn't just be, I hear people like, well, I hired them and I got more time back. Well, there should be a, there should be a twofer for when you hire the right people. So never, there's never going to be the right time to hire an assistant. If you're an individual agent, that's going to give you the leverage to be able to go out there and concentrate more on the sales side to generate more leads, more listings, more databases, more marketing, whatever you're doing. They can handle TC, LM, client care, launch, post-closing follow-up. That becomes part of their platform job. And then from there, they're going to have to start going out there and gaining agents. Right? They're going to have to start bringing in. If they want to start with a showing agent to feel what it's like to leverage, that's that's fine. Um, otherwise, you can go to a buyer's agent and just start experiencing. Look, you can read everything you want in a book. You can take every single podcast that you have. But as you know, as you both know, until you jump in the actual world of living and succeeding through people, you just don't know what you don't know. And so you can hear things, but once you start getting into it, that's where you're going to go, oh, I get what Greg was talking about there. I get what Matt was saying on that, right? That's when you get it. And you have to experience that in order to get through these growth patterns. So when I say in the beginning, go fail faster, go do these things, all that means is I want you to go raise your level of consciousness so you start thinking about business differently. And the only way for you to do that is to accelerate your growth rate through these failures by going out there and starting to live this 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 reality. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Good Lord. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> just the, just the bullet point of there's never a good time. There's never a, a great time to hire your first assistant like that, that. That in itself, like that should be, you know, that should be plastered on the walls of every brokerage um, because that, yeah. yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Isn't Adam Matt, where, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, Matt, isn't Matt, can you pick up on, in Adam, he is a ready, fire, aim guy, right? Not ready, yes. aim, fire. He's ready, fire, aim. Um, and that's a compliment, but so many people see that as being reckless, 
Adam. I, I would say I'm more like you, and um, not to take any of your thunder because you're amazing. But I in mean, the in the awesome. in, yeah in the nature of like ready fire aim, and some of the things that I hear is like, well, he's a risk taker, and that's reckless and whatnot. But one odd thing I'm really picking out is he's ready fire learn. Yeah, it's a good fire, list. learn, fire, learn, fire, learn, aim, yeah. fire, learn. Like he's ready, fire, learn, fire, learn, you know, and, and, and the learning is part of the aiming, I'm sure. But that's what I'm, I'm picking up. So I just wanted to just, you know, sometimes I like to share with others what I'm experiencing by your conversation. And I think that's very valuable for people. They just got to don't be afraid to take a shot to go for it, but yeah. be as committed as Adam is at learning from any misses and then take another shot and eventually you hit the target much better than just analyzing it forever and never making a move. So I'm sorry for interrupting you, Matt, go on, but I just wanted to pull that out. No, that's, that's really good. The ready, the ready fire learn is incredible. And, and Adam, you're, you're totally right about a couple of things, which is, and I see this a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of it, like in the entrepreneurial community, whether it's in real estate or outside of it, there, there's this perception that a lot of the hustle is put into the acquisition of information, right? Always acquiring, always listening, always learning. But Adam, you make a good point, which is that you really don't, you don't learn that until you experience it, right? You had to, like when it really hit for you, you started to feel the leverage of hiring your first person or first couple people. Then you're like, okay, now I know what this feels like. Now I'm going to lean into it. And I'm going to go deep on it. And then that's what gives you that motivation to like really figure out, okay, how do I hire better people? How do I put them into better systems, right? How do I build a platform around them that will make them successful so that it's not about me micromanaging them, right? It's about that first initial experience. And I think a lot of agents miss out on that because they don't do what you did, which is just take the chance, step out, hire their first person, and then put their time into lead gen. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, people, it's, you guys are both spot on. You don't even need me on this podcast for you guys. Um, <laughs> the it, interesting thing is that uh, people only know the highest level of talent based on the highest level of talent they currently have in their organization. So people may go to you, Matt, and say, look, you know, I've got an A-plus person. Well, that's they're an A-plus person because they're the first person they've ever hired, and they're going to feel like an A-plus, right? Because right. they took their, you know – an hour away off their job, they're like, oh, I get it. This is what it's supposed to feel like. But the, the goal is to continue to elevate that, which is why the book's top grading and all these things come out. What they're really saying with that is you only know the highest level of people, the highest level of talent based on the highest level of talent you currently can experience in your world. Because I may say I have a talented person. You may say I have a talented person. Joe over here says I got a talented person, but they're all different degrees of talent. So a, a trick to do, not a trick, a model to put into your life for this is to find somebody that you know that you really respect. Um, it can be somebody who's built a big organization inside or outside the company and think of them as if I'm hiring this person, would this person survive in Matt's world? Right. And if the answer is no, then don't hire them. That's how you start making a stand on these things and taking a stand in your fire, first hire is going to propel you a lot faster to get where you want to go versus hiring and going through a lot more things like I did in the beginning. And Greg, to answer your question about the, uh, I love the fire, you know, I mean, like it's aim, fire, learn. I, I always consider my life, like I have my foot on the gas and a couple of nails driven through it. And, you know, certainly I may be out of control a little bit. I may hit a few people along the way, but I'm going to make enough money to clean it up. So there's going to be enough people there. So that's just the mentality that I, I kind of attack. Oh, God. 
That's I can't wait to get in the car later on. I'm just going to have that yeah. vision in my in my mind. I hope I don't hit anybody. But but I love it. I, I love the nails. I got the na- couple of nails in my foot to the metal. I love it. Oh, yeah. but, but Adam, you're you're 100% right. You you mentioned it. You briefly like glossed over it. <clears throat> but I wanted to bring it back to this a little bit because I'm curious about how you deal with it um, mentally. Which is you can hide to a certain extent, you can hire rock stars in your world and, and they'll take the mental burden off of you to an extent of running certain aspects of the business or, or at least handling their role. But you, you still, because your foot is on the gas pedal all the time, you create problems, you create chaos by driving the business forward. And there's a lot of people out there that they want the growth, they want the end result, they don't want the chaos along the way. So, like you mentioned, they start step into it, it starts to not feel great and they pull back and go, well, I don't know if I felt like this. So I'm curious how, with all the different companies that you're managing, how do you keep yourself, keep the foot on the gas pedal and deal with the chaos without allowing it to kind of force you to like pull back and have to like, you know, re- reset every every six months or every year? That's an awesome, awesome question. And one that I think is probably the most important for people starting to build an organization in no matter what level. And I, I believe it starts with um, preventative care. And the, the reason it, the reason why I use the word preventive care is because what is your what does your day look like to set you up to handle and invite problems into your life? So every morning, so I'm a, I compete in uh, professionally in Ironmans. Um, I just qualified for the Worlds last week, which is pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. So my mornings start from about 3:45 in the morning to 4:15, depending on how much exercise I have to do. I get up, I meditate first for 20 minutes. I then get into about 45 minutes of journaling. If people want to see that, they can see my whole morning routine on our blog. Um, but I, I journal. I go through all my personal financial statements. I go through my um, my affirmations, my org charts, my goals for the day. I'm directing the day. Uh, and then I get into about two hours of exercise every single morning and I'm listening to audible books the whole time I'm doing this. I'm a kinetic learner. So I've got to be moving to take in information. Otherwise I have a real tough time just sitting down and reading. I just, I can't do it. So it works really well for me to be exercising, like running or biking and listening to audibles. Uh, and you devour books that way, by the way, one or two a week. Yeah. And so literally by the time I show up in my office at eight o'clock in the morning, I am so fired up to run through a wall that I'm inviting problems that come in because now I have all this energy to tackle them. What I see people do is they get up, they hit their opportunity clock and they hit it five times, right? It's their opportunities and alarm clocks, right? They keep hitting it and they're right racing around. They're late. They're trying to get in there and they're trying to be creative. They have the, then all of a sudden these, then all of a sudden they're already stretched, right? They're a rubber band here. They're already stretched like this. Then a problem shows up and they snap, right? Instead of stopping, making time you're in control. Sorry, if I can say online, right? Controlling that. <laughs> To the point where you are in control of your time so that you are, you're, you're becoming the best person you can. So when you show up, you are a, you know, amazing husband, a partner, a business leader, and you're, you're setting the direction with your energy and your tone of how you show up every single day. And so our team can walk in there and you've got this energy that everybody is like, all right, we got a problem. It's great. Of course, right? There's how many, Show me a day that there's not a problem, right? People are like, I can't, you know, hopefully there's no problem today. I'm like, well, look, man, if you don't want any problems, you might as well lay in a box now because yeah. it's literally your entire day is going to be full of problems. And the thing is, is the bigger you get, just the more severity the problems are, right? And so you've got to be even better equipped to handle these problems. And that's how you build the emotional fitness behind being able to have the energy to handle these type of problems that show up. 
That's really, Solid. really good. <laughs> Solid. Before we get off, before before we get off, I, I, this is one thing that's becoming very clear. Um, you're definitely a leader in in my eyes. Um, but what is that? What is what is your role? How would you describe your role um, in the area of leadership? Like, what is your responsibility as a leader? How do you see that for your team? Yeah, thank you for uh, for saying that. Um, I uh, I wake up every day to create a world large enough and to continue to push the envelope of our world larger every day so that the people inside my world can hit their wildest of goals every single day. So somebody has a financial and personal goal, they never have to leave my organization to achieve it inside our world. I never want to stifle anybody's growth. And so it's my job, it's my duty to wake up every single day, pour more energy into myself to learn more, to gain more, to fail faster, to fail more, so I can push the envelope of our entire world so that everybody else's envelopes grow. If you have the right people and you start vacuuming your world bigger, those people come right up to you. And that's the growth that people want. Look, there's a secular change that has occurred in our world. People just don't want a job. They want they're, they're not looking for a job. They're looking for an opportunity. And the right people who want these opportunities, they want the personal growth and the challenges that actually come from building a large organization. So it's our duty to show up as a leader every single day and push the envelopes of people around this so that they can continue to grow and to become the best leaders that they can every day. My goal, by the way, is to fire myself from every single job that I've ever had so I literally can just be focused on books. And people need to understand that at some point in your life, your job's going to be to read. I mean, if you look at Warren Buffett, he reads five to six hours every single day, right? I mean, every single day. By the way, if you want a 52 to one advantage over your competition, read a book a week. It'll give you the 52 to one advantage. Everyone should write that out, 52 to one advantage. Read a book a week. You'll be so far beyond your competition in a year. It's not even funny. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very, very cool. All right. Um, so we could keep going all day on this, but I'm curious, Adam, just one quick question before we we dive off. Kind of knowing what you know now, if you had to go back to when you were a top producer and about to make the jump into building a team around you, is there anything that you'd do differently? Yeah, I first of all, I would uh, um, I would have read more earlier on in my life. I was reading maybe a book a month and a half, maybe every two months. Um, mm-hmm. I would start literally going into, that's why I'm purposeful on the 52 to one advantage. I would start reading a book a week, no matter how difficult it feels. And by the way, here's the thing. If you're reading a book and you don't like it, you don't have to finish it, right? There's so many people like, you know, I just got to finish this book to read the next. I'm like, why don't you stop reading it? Just go read another book. Right. So, yeah. um, start reading a book, but most importantly, um, dumb your lifestyle down so you can take the money and put it back into your organization and back into people so that you can grow faster. And understand that this is you need to go into it and, and manage the bad times and take full advantage of the good times. So most of us go into business building and think that it's going to be this stairway that goes straight up. Well, that's not what success looks like. Success looks like a whole series of struggles. So your job is to manage the bad times. It's going to feel at times when you're building a business, when you're hiring your first agent, you're hiring your first admin. It's going to feel like you're in the woods and there's a dense fog and you don't even know which way is north or south or where you're going to go. The key is, and the thing to never do is to remain idle. The minute you go back on your heels, you're going to get knocked over. So when you're in the midst of that thick, when you feel like you can't take another step, you have to find a way to make, make a, pick a direction and go. 
And it may not be the right one, but you know what? You've, you're moving forward and then you'll course correct as you need to because you're going to gain the confidence, which becomes an asset and an arrow in your quiver that you can pull out knowing that you may not know how to get there, but you know that once you arrive, you're going to figure out the best direction for the rest of the team. That's yeah. Cool. And I think that's a big key, Greg. If there's anything that people can take away from this, uh, in addition to what Adam was talking about, they just the practical things. Is that Adam? You have, by by virtue of a history of problem solving, you have the confidence that look, I'm going to aim and I'm going to fire, and then I'm going to solve the problem afterwards, and I'm going to course correct. Right? I think there's a lot of people out there that they don't, they haven't built up that confidence within themselves that I can fire and then figure it out afterwards because they don't have that background and that history of problem solving, and so they start to encounter the problems, and like you said, they snap. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've you've built up that confidence of problem solving. And I think that's something that we can all do. And we can all look back in our history and recognize when we've run from problems and not solve them. And there's still probably some failure analysis that needs to be done for a lot of people. But moving forward, it's about stepping out, firing and then figuring it out afterwards. So I just if wanted to point ever, that out. If you, have you have you listened or read the book Relentless? I imagine you probably have. My favorite books. Oh. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, be, uh, I would imagine it would be one of your favorite books. Yeah. But um, one of the things is, you know, he's not afraid. He doesn't have, you don't have to have the plan all 100% fully figured out. And that is one of the signs, one of the characteristics of a cleaner, because when the, the cleaner has so much confidence that they can just go ahead and get started and they know they'll instinctively adapt at the appropriate time. They don't have to know exactly what's around the corner because they have the confidence that whatever's around the corner, if they have to make the adjustment, they can almost subconsciously make the adjustment and keep moving. So, I mean, for those of you that have listened or or read uh, the Relentless book by Grover, this is a great example of what a cleaner looks like. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's really interesting. There's there's four steps kind of people go through in a chemistry of a transformation, and it ties into exactly what you're saying here, both of you guys. And it's 30 seconds long, so just let me – the first step is like if you were to eat meat every single day and you loved eating meat, after about 30 days, you're going to start being dissatisfied with the meat, right? So you get to a point where you start getting dissatisfied. It's there. Maybe after another 60 days, you start creating a disdain for it, right? You're like, you're just really hating this, right? And then the third step, 180 days into this, six months into this, you're still eating meat. You've hit an emotional break, right? You, you've hit an emotional spot where this is emotional disruption. No more, right? You've got your back to the wall. Interesting thing is we get all human beings and we get there a lot in our lives. Maybe it's every year or every 10 years. We hit these moments where all of a sudden we hit this emotional port in our life where it says no more. And the interesting thing is in that phase, you go to step four, which is you start to see an opening. This is where you start to see something a little grand beyond where you are. You can visualize what your vision and how your life's going to look like. You can see something better beyond it. You know how to get there, but you can see it. But what most people fail to do is step number five, which is to actually jump through. So if there's anybody that's listening to this, when you get to that moment and you're back against the wall and you can see a better alternative, you can see by hiring somebody how it's going to allow your life to be so much better by bringing on that first assistant or hiring that first buyer agent or taking your first time to expand to another city or jumping into real estate if you're not in it. You can see how that's going to make your life better. Don't fail at that and take all the energy that you can and jump through. And I promise you, you'll learn how to fly. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out another book recommendation that that reinforces that point, Adam. Have you read Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? No, I have not. I'm going to write it down, though. 
Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, it wasn't released for what, 70 years after his death or something like that. But there's a great story that he tells and the whole first couple of chapters in the book are about how Napoleon Hill's back was against the wall and what happens when you're in that situation. And he gives this great story of how he stepped out. He had to actually go rent an, uh, a hotel suite at the, one of the nicest hotels in Philadelphia when he had no money. If he hadn't rented that one hotel suite, he wouldn't have met the publisher that ended up putting out, I believe, his laws of success. Wow. And we probably wouldn't know who Napoleon Hill is today if it wasn't for that sequence of events. So it's super interesting. So if you like success literature and you're interested in the background of how that stuff came to be, that's a phenomenal book. And the rest of it, uh, one of my mentors says that Outwitting the Devil is a better book than Think and Grow Rich. It just happens that it wasn't published 70 years ago. So that's a great one to uh, to add to your uh, 52 to 1 advantage. Um, but Adam, how do people kind of connect with you, especially for the coaching and training? And then where are you guys at in terms of sending you referrals? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, herdtraining.com, H-E-R-G training.com. We have, um, you know, four or five online classes that go pretty much every single month. It's, it's really an opportunity to give our people, um, an opportunity to coach and train and to take their information and spread it to the world. So, you know, we've got, you know, almost a thousand people into our, into our pro coaching programs right now. We'd love to, you guys to come into, we do free webinars, take a look at it. If you like it, we'd love to have you come in. Uh, and then, um, we have operations set up from Maine to New, to California and to Florida, to Arkansas, to Miami. I don't even know all locations, right? But they're, they're all there. So, um, you can really go to, uh, herggroup.com, herggroup.com, and you'll see all of our locations that we're in right there. So you have a referral for us. We'd love to help you guys out. Awesome. Very, awesome. very cool. And then Greg, how do people connect with you? You can just email me at gregharrelsongmail.com. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, right. stupid. <laughs> That's right. And we got, guys, we had a lot of great, great comments. We had people from, I'm, by my count, at least four different industries, people I know in recruiting, financial advising, uh, you know, obviously real estate, uh, real estate investing, um, uh, you know, marketing. I mean, there were, we had people from outside the real estate industry watching with us today, commenting just how great it is. Uh, Nick Saka said he's so fired up right now. Adam is amazing. Another awesome interview. Guys, so we appreciate everybody that, that watched live with us. Make sure to go check out the show on iTunes and Stitcher. You can subscribe to the audio versions there. You can grab the video versions on YouTube and you can subscribe to the channel. So you always get the new ones if you miss the live broadcast. We'd really appreciate it. And then make sure to go check out uh, the, vi the video training that Greg has done on how to get started on marketing automation, which is really the secret sauce behind Greg and his, his entire team there uh, with his multiple offices and how they generate inbound seller lead calls. And so that training is theleveluppodcast.com and just go to the, uh, the free section of the site there. So with that said, Adam, awesome, awesome job. Phenomenal. And I uh, just want to thank you. And, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to come back and join us. And maybe we can go deeper on some other elements of your journey because I know we bar barely scratched the surface of it. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's always fun to have high level conversations and add value to people's lives. So thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. And we'll see everyone else on the next live broadcast.